Well, we knew it was going to be a tough, ugly, defensive-minded game against this Kent State squad, but Drew Timmy carried the Gonzaga Bulldogs to a 73-66 victory, giving the Zags the most quad one wins in the entire country. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code Locked On at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. All right, we're reacting to Gonzaga's gutsy, but at times pretty ugly win over the Kent State Golden Flashes on Monday night at the Kennel. Kelly Olynyk had his jersey hung up in the rafters, and it kicked off a fun and exciting and also scary night at the McCarthy Athletic Center. We're going to talk all about this game, the good and the bad. We're going to look at my five key things from before the game, how they played out in this one, closing out the show, talking about Indiana Pacers rookie point guard Andrew Nembhard and the incredible performance he had against the Golden State Warriors on Monday. But let's start with this Kent State game. It's another quad one victory for the Zags, and obviously Gonzaga's season has not gone according to plan. It's been a challenge to watch this team labor through a couple of blowout losses, a loss to a Baylor team that they ultimately should have won that game, and struggles against closing out a, a team like Xavier in the PK Invitational, uh, struggling to close out a team like Kent State here at home. But at the end of the day, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are six and three. They are one of four teams with a with four quad one victories. That is the Zags, Purdue, Houston, and UConn. Not bad company to be in. Here's a handful of other stats about the quad one wins for Gonzaga, all courtesy of Brian Mary at B Mary Zag on Twitter. Shout out to him for doing the research here. Gonzaga not only is one of four teams with four quad one victories, they are one of just two teams that have seven quad one or quad two games played. They've played seven games that are either quad one or quad two. The only other team to have done that so far this season is Hubert Davis's North Carolina Tar Heels. Not surprising that two teams, A, that began the season preseason one and two, and also two teams that were a part of the Phil Knight tournament are in this conversation. Also two teams that are considered some of the bigger disappointments to begin the season. Uh, North Carolina, of course, has gone from the number one team in the country to unranked faster than any team has ever done that in the history of college basketball, dating back to the AP poll in the late 40s. Uh, But, you know, I'm not super excited about North Carolina's prospects and obviously Gonzaga's prospects have perhaps dimmed since the start of the season but it is worth noting that these two teams have played some of the most rigorous schedules that have been out there across all of college basketball Gonzaga is the only only top 100 team to have played five quad one games the only one they are also the only top 25 team to have played fewer than four games at home, and they have only played two games at home. Every other top 25 team has played four or more games 
at their home arena. The Zags have only played two. Of course, the Spokane Arena does not count in this qualification, even if you want to count that. If you are hell-bent on considering that a home game for whatever reason, that would still put the Zags at three, still making them the only top 25 team to have played fewer than four games at home. We knew that Mark Few was going to challenge this team early in the year, but boy, howdy, has it been a really, really rough stretch. We have been preaching patience with this team. You saw a gutsy, strong performance against a very good Kent State team. It is uncomfortable and unfamiliar to watch Gonzaga struggle in the second half against not power five programs at home. This is an unusual and again, unfamiliar space for many Gonzaga fans, but it is worth pointing out as has been said many times on the, on this podcast, on previous, on the broadcast, Mark few said it before the game. Kent state is very, very good. This is not your typical Alcorn state, Northern Arizona type by game. This is a very good team. I believe wholeheartedly that this is a team that will probably be in my sweet 16 or at very least winning the first match in their NCAA tournament. I could see them being a very popular trendy sleeper, 12, five upset pick. This is a really, good defensive team. Sincere Carey is an incredible guard. He didn't have his best performance here against the Zags, but ultimately he still played really well. And this team is just just tough top to bottom. So I, I'm thrilled that Gonzaga got a victory and they did it on the back of Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy, absolute monster game. I, I mentioned on the previous podcast that he didn't have two, two bad games in a row very often. And he struggled against Baylor in part because he didn't get a lot of looks. He did some other stuff well in that Baylor game. But in this game, they got on the rock early and often, and he went to work. 29 points, 17 rebounds, four assists, two blocks, 11 of 16 from the field, 7 of 12 from the free throw line, which doesn't look so bad. It was a lot worse in the first half. He was really struggling from the charity stripe, but ultimately pulled it together to put together a really solid, well-rounded, much much needed performance for the Bulldogs. Julian Strother had a nice game as well. 14 points, eight rebounds on four of eight shooting. And then there's Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman played a full 40. He pulled a Nembhard where he played the entire game as Gonzaga's starting point guard. Straw that stirred the drink for this team all game long. 10.7 boards, four assists, and three turnovers. I will happily happily take three turnovers for my starting point guard in a full 40 minutes against the second best team in the entire country at forcing turnovers. Kent State forces 20 turnovers per game. The Zags had nine. Nolan Hickman, because of his strong performance in this game, Sincere Carey, the player defending him, averages three steals per game for Hickman to only have three turnovers in this one was a really Really nice performance on the heels of what was also a good point guard performance against Baylor. You hate the 0 for 8. You hate the 0 points uh, from Hickman in that Baylor game, and that's totally understandable. But he controlled the pace in that game fairly well, played, distributed the ball well, didn't turn the ball over too much in that game. That's now two games in a row where he has been good at that in this game. We saw him step out and knock down some shots as well. Really nice performance from him. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the really strong performance down the stretch from backup guard Hunter Salas coming into the game. He took three charges. He had three rebounds. I didn't shoot it exceptionally well, but he was on the floor because of his defensive instincts, because of his ability to keep Kent State's guards in front of him, something that the rest of Gonzaga's team, frankly, struggled with a lot in this game. So many players biting on pump fakes, getting up in the air, letting their defenders blow past them for easy lanes around the rim. 
stuff that probably happened more last year than we saw, but got erased because of Chet Holmgren not happening this year for Hunter Salas to come into the game, work relentlessly on that end of the floor to keep Kent state's guards in front of him, take a couple of charges, grab a couple boards, really nice performance from him. The Zags ended up winning the rebounding battle 43 to 30 in large part because of Salas's effort. Drew Timmy's effort on the offensive glass is a huge part of this as well. And then the Zags had 16 assists on 25 made field goals. Uh, there was some bad. The struggles to start the second half is always rough to watch. Uh, it's It's been kind of a hallmark for Gonzaga in the last couple of games and really the last couple of years, quite frankly. Uh, and to see that in this game when they kind of finally built some momentum up to end the first half on a strong note, to kind of see that get erased pretty quickly in the second half was, was really challenging. And, and against... Not that Kent State's a bad team, but against other teams, that's probably going to be a deal breaker. We saw it against Baylor when you can't you can't let a team get back into the game. When you do that, you often lose, and that's a frustrating trend trend that we have seen from this Gonzaga team. Zags also only shot sixty three percent from the free throw line. Drew Timmy and Anton Watson just not good from the charity stripe. Haven't been all year. It's been a challenge for them, frankly, throughout their career. Although Drew is seeming to regress, which is problematic. Anton has never been a good free throw shooter. It's a, a pretty significant black hole in what has otherwise been a fantastic season for Watson. And uh, then Rasir Bolton has kind of mysteriously disappeared the last couple of games. He only had six points in this game, two of three shooting. So it's not like he was inefficient or or ineffective necessarily. Just not really hunting his shot. I think the Zags are hoping for him to be their like consistent third scorer behind Timmy and Strother. He hasn't really stepped into that role yet this year, at least not on a consistent basis. Uh, and then the final bad note, inconsistent officiating. I don't like to spend too much time on officiating, but there was a lot of strange charge calls, block calls, inconsistency there. Some that benefited Gonzaga, which is good, but I would really like to see the referees find a way to uh, to get a little bit more consistent on those calls going forward this year. All right, we're going to revisit my keys to the game. We're going to discuss how Gonzaga limited turnovers. We're also going to discuss the performance of Gonzaga's secondary scores. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher since 1917 and a holiday gift that's guaranteed to be loved. My wife's grandma has been sending us Omaha steaks for the last couple of years. At first, I wasn't pumped about it because I didn't know what we would do with all of that meat, but it has been a fantastic treat every single year to have that in the free freezer for the next couple of months. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, we are talking five keys to the game against Kent State, what they were, how they ended up playing out in this contest. And of course, we're going to look ahead at Andrew Nembhard's really strong start to his NBA career in the final segment. But first, I want to talk about the keys to the game, the number one key against this really strong Kent State team. Take care of the basketball. Again, Kent State forces 20 turnovers per game. Gonzaga was averaging about 20 turnovers per game. It sort of looked like a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. It seemed like the biggest key for this contest. If Gonzaga could limit turnovers, prevent Kent State from getting out in transition, prevent Kent State from getting easy opportunities to score points, that was going to be the key. And that's what happened. Quite frankly, that was in a large part the story of this game. This actually had three turnovers at halftime. Three that is it. They ended up finishing with nine. They had six turnovers in the second half, most of them coming in that pretty ugly first eight to 12-minute stretch of the second half, which was, quite frankly, pretty ugly. It was They just got a little sloppy. Kent State made some halftime adjustments. The Zags didn't make enough halftime adjustments, quite frankly. But for Nolan Hickman, already mentioned this, but for him to have 40 minutes played and only three turnovers against this caliber of defense – Really, really fantastic performance. Beyond that, the combination of Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Hunter Salas, Malachi Smith, all four of those players combined to turn the ball over just twice on the game. We mentioned Rasir Bolton not having a particularly effective game offensively, but he only turned the ball over once. He's good at taking care of the basketball. That's key, especially after the Baylor game where he had six turnovers and only eight points for him to rebound in this game and not have that ball security issue. Really, really nice to see. Saw a couple lazy passes in the first half that ended up resulting in turnovers, a few of them from Ben Gregg. We'll talk about him later in the show here, but by and large, this was a nice disciplined performance from Gonzaga's offense to avoid turning the basketball over too much. The next key was a bounce back from Drew Timmy, and we kind of already talked about that extensively. But yeah, Drew doesn't have bad games twice in a row very often. 29 points, 17 rebounds. Many of those rebounds on the offensive glass for Drew. Really, really nice performance there. Yeah, 10 defensive rebounds, 7 offensive rebounds. Many times where he was missing, his, he's getting his own misses and cleaning up on those. But still, the Zags got him involved really early, found ways to get him the basketball, even if it was 15, 16 feet away from the basket. They ran a nice ball screen offense where Timmy sets a slip screen over uh, on the wing, uh, steps out to the right, a little bounce pass from there. It's about a 16-foot jumper. Drew Timmy hit that shot a couple of times, a really nice play to kind of exploit the defense, get him a really nice look there. Uh, he struggled with the free throw shooting in the first half in particular, cleaned that up in the second half when the Zags really needed him to knock those shots down. Really nice vintage performance from National Player of the Year candidate Drew Timmy in this one. The next key was a breakout game from Ben Gregg. I was kind of calling the shot here that we'd seen like glimpses of him have really nice stretches and maybe this was going to be the game where he full on broke out. And it was basically the exact opposite of that. Unfortunately, Ben kind of regressed back and had himself a, a challenging game here, played a season or six minutes, which was the lowest of anybody on the team. Uh, Zach's played eight players in this game, five starters, Malachi Smith and Hunter South each played 17 off the bench, Ben only played six in a rough first stint in the game, multiple careless passes. Uh, he jumped out on defense a few times, committed some fouls there. Uh, he just, he, he didn't look himself in this game. He didn't look like the player we saw against Purdue or against Xavier or against Baylor. And I'm not overly concerned about this. It would have been nice to see him kind of continue that momentum, have a nice game at home in front of the student section, all of that stuff. But he didn't. And, you know, we've talked about Mark Few has made it very clear that playing time is a privilege and it is not a right at Gonzaga. And for Ben, he has earned that playing time very clearly for his performance of the last couple of games, earned the playing time over Efton Reed in this game. 
he did not earn it. And so he did not play in the second half. The Zags went small. They hadn't done a lot of that lately. They took Anton Watson out, went with that small ball lineup where Julian Strother's playing the four. They have a three-guard lineup in the game. Uh, we saw that with Hunter Salas playing a lot of minutes down the stretch because of his defensive instincts, because they needed him to be on the floor and playing defense and preventing some of Kent State's guards from getting to the rim as easily as they had been in the first half. So it made sense from a matchup perspective to take Ben out. It was a little disappointing to see him not have a great game, but I am not worried about him long term. I think we're still going to see some glimpses and maybe even some more sustained success from him going forward this year. The next big key for the Zags was the tempo for this game. Uh, another opportunity for the Zags to get some easy points that way and also try to prevent Kent State from getting out in transition. Uh, Kent State did a really good job of limiting transition opportunities. This has been a calling card for every team that has played Gonzaga this year has made it a huge priority to not let the Zags get out in transition. You can tell that teams are trying to do that and not having Andrew Nembhard, who was an absolute maestro at getting out in transition quickly and efficiently moving the ball forward, taking a few aggressive dribbles as soon as he gets an outlet pass, finding out opportunities to carve up defenses by getting out in transition. Nolan Hickman is not bad at getting out in transition. You can see when they do do it that he does a good job of making the right reads, finding open guys, doing that stuff. Uh, but teams have really attempted to limit that this year. Uh, and and it, it makes sense. The, the, the blueprint to beat Gonzaga, at least to, to beat them defensively, is not let them get out in transition, hound their guards in the half-court offense, try to prevent Drew Timmy from getting the basketball. Every single team has attempted to do that and will continue to attempt to do that all season long. So we'll see how much that transition offense can be a part of Gonzaga's season so far this year. And finally, consistency from Gonzaga's secondary scores. I mentioned that this isn't something we're necessarily going to get a full picture on in just one game. We did see a nice performance from Julian Strother in this one, 14 points, which was second on the team behind that 29 from Drew Timmy. Uh, 14 points on four of eight shooting is fantastic. A nice, productive, kind of quiet night from Julian. It didn't seem like he was doing a whole lot. Uh, and so you look at the box score and you're like, oh, hey, 14 and eight is pretty good for Strother. So I, I like those kind of performances from him. He doesn't necessarily need to be the focal point uh you know running design plays for him or anything like that it was a lot of he actually had a lot of Gonzaga's transition offense on transition threes where they got down the floor and got Kent State out of their defensive rotations swung the ball around Strother open three bang there was a couple of those uh, and that's the kind of that's a fantastic offense for the Zag Strother in rhythm and a transition three I'm taking that shot 99 times out of 100 because he is very very good at those again Bolton two of three shooting but only six points that needs to change Rasir Bolton needs to be up in the 10, 12, 14 points per game kind of region for the Zags to be the best version of this team that they can be. And he hasn't been that the last couple of games. I don't know whether it's uh, uncertainty on his role in the, in the offense, whether it's you know, a lack of confidence on his part, what, whatever it may be. Uh, that's something that needs to change for this team to kind of reach that full potential. And then another kind of disappointing part of this game, the bench only had six points. We mentioned Ben Gregg struggled in this one. Malachi Smith had a really really critical and one bucket towards the very end of the game. Much, much needed shot from Malachi Smith. He didn't do a ton otherwise in this game. Didn't have a particularly bad game, just not, not a particularly great game either. Again, coming off the heels of that fantastic performance against Baylor. Smith has been very inconsistent at the early part of the season. And for the Zags to reach their highest potential, he needs to kind of iron that out and find a way to be more consistent going forward this year. All right, folks, we're going to close out the show talking about the torrid stretch of NBA basketball played by rookie Andrew Nempart, including a record-breaking performance against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors on Monday evening. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Bilt Bar. 
For anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they are literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. They only have 130 calories. Just sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you try these new Built Bars and the magical, wonderful time afterwards. Built has five new holiday flavors to choose from. Cookie Dough Topper, Coconut Brownie Bar, Coconut Brownie Topper, White Chocolate Peppermint Granola, and Candy Cane Brownie. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. It's an unanswerable question to say the very, very least. They are all unbelievable and they're all different. So you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. Built, you got to try this. 15% off your order right now by using code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, pivoting away from talking about this Kent State game to talk about Andrew Nembhard. What an incredible stretch of basketball that Andrew Nembhard has played for the Indiana Pacers. Typically when I do Zags in the NBA updates, we talk about two or three or, or four or five guys, even all in the same segment. But today we're just focused on Nembhard. We'll do more Zags in the NBA, look back at, at the performances of Corey Kispert, Zach Collins, Rui Hachimura, DeMontis Sabonis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going down the line there. But we got to talk Nembhard right now. His performance against the Golden State Warriors on Monday night, 31 points, 13 assists, and eight rebounds for Andrew Nembhard, two boards away from a 30-point triple-double for the second-round pick, a guy not expected to start for Indiana. Not He's only started the last couple of games, and now he has developed into quite literally one of the best rookies in all of the NBA this season. He shot 62% from the field in that game, five of seven from deep. He is the seventh rookie. This came from Brett Usher, NBA on Twitter. Seventh rookie ever to post 31 plus points, 13 plus assists, and eight plus rebounds in a game. Here is the list of the other players who have done that. NBA Hall of Famer Oscar Robertson, some player named Michael Jordan, Kevin Johnson, Stevie Franchise, a.k.a. Steve Francis, uh, some guy named Steph Curry, and of course, Atlanta Hawks guard Trey Young. Just a dynamic, unbelievable, like I'm I'm borderline speechless. This game was incredible from Andrew Nembhard. The, The perfect encapsulation of what this game looked like was towards the end of the game when Andrew Nembhard Hit a step back three with Steph Curry in his grill, nothing but net, already jogging down the court. And they show Steph mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth as it always is, just shaking his head. He could not believe what he was seeing. None of us could. Incredible, incredible performance from Andrew Nembhard. And this isn't just a one-off thing. This isn't just his first good game or his second or third good game. He has been playing really well the last couple of games. The previous game, before playing Steph and the Golden State Warriors was against the Portland Trailblazers. 16 points, eight assists, six rebounds. Those 16 points were his career high. He did not hold on to that for very long. Of course, that 31 is now his career high. Might stick there for a while, although who knows? Maybe he's going to score 40 in his next game. He has been on a ridiculous trajectory lately. But 16, 8, and 6 against the Blazers. 31, 13, and 8 against the Golden State Warriors. The game before those two was against the Utah Jazz and Kelly Olynyk. there. 13 points and 10 assists in that one. Just a... Unbelievable stretch of basketball for Andrew Nembhard. It all started 
It all started against the Los Angeles Lakers. Tyrese Halliburton drives to the right side. Two seconds on the clock. They are down by one point. They need a bucket. He swings it across the court to Andrew Nemhard. LeBron comes and closes out with a big hand in Nemhard's face. Up and in game-winning three-pointer for Andrew Nemhard against the Los Angeles Lakers. Final game of the month of November. Nemhard has now played three games in December. In those three games, he's averaging 20 points, 10.3 assists, and six rebounds. Of course, three-game sample size, but it's clear that the confidence boost that Nemhard got from that ridiculous highlight reel shot against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers has put him in the contention for legitimate all-rookie contender team. He could be at the All-Star game in the Futures game. I really believe that he could be participating in the Rookie Challenge, doing that kind of stuff right now on the season. He obviously started out the year in a smaller role, has only recently stepped into a starting role. He played 40 minutes against Golden State. He's played over 30 minutes the last couple of games. Prior to that, he was playing much less. But still, his overall season line as we are here in the first week of December, 9.1 points, 4.2 assists, and 2.8 rebounds. He is shooting 43% from deep. The guy who came to Gonzaga after a couple of years at Florida where he was a 30-ish, 33% three-point shooter, the guy who only shot 32% in his first year at Gonzaga, the guy who was labeled by many, including yours truly, I will wear this one as a badge to maybe average three-point shooter, came out, shot 39% at Gonzaga in his final year and is now shooting 43% as a rookie for the Indiana Pacers. It continues a trend of Gonzaga players shooting much better after leaving Gonzaga. We have seen that with Frankly, just about all of them. Kelly Olenek is a great example. Rui Hachimura is a great example. But there are others as well who have stepped into bigger roles as predominant outside shooters, roles they didn't necessarily have at Gonzaga. Part of that is just offensive scheme. Part of that is just there's more room on an NBA court. The the court is wider, more open looks. Yes, the line is farther away. So in theory, you'd think the three-point percentages would drop. I'm not shocked that it actually has happened the way that it has. And I'm certainly not shocked that Andrew Nembhard is shooting better from deep. I'm not going to say I predicted that he would be having 30-point Borderline 30-point triple-doubles against the defending national champions. I'm not going to tell you that I predicted that happening, but still an incredible, incredible performance from Andrew Nembhard. Proof that size is not everything proof that age is not everything. These are the things that were big knocks on Andrew Nembhard coming out of Gonzaga. There was rumors. He was borderline undrafted, maybe late second round. Maybe he sneaks into the mid second round, but is he big enough to play? You know, he can't play off the ball. He's only a true point guard. Is he big enough to play in the NBA? Is that outside shot going to show up? Is he going to be able to handle himself defensively? Do we really want a 23-year-old point guard? Blah, 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 blah. All of this conversation happened. A lot of scouts, a lot of analysts were iffy on him. He performed really well at the NBA draft combine. That got him some more attention. Started sneaking into the late second, or excuse me, late first conversation, early second conversation. Drew some comps to Tyus Jones for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Nembhard, of course, goes 31st overall, signs the highest guaranteed contract in NBA history for a second-round pick. I am sure there are plenty of people who were debating whether he deserved to be the highest-paid NBA second-round draft pick of all time. I'm guessing those debates have quieted a little bit since his last couple of games. He looks like a bona fide star or at least a very, very high-level role player contributor in the NBA with the ability to put together games like this. 
what a story. I will continue to love and cherish and love to share the Andrew Nembhard story because for him to be unrelentingly committed to making the NBA and being a legitimate player at that level, he declared for the draft multiple times. He continued to fight to be an NBA player despite being told, hey, you're not big enough, you're, you're too old, whatever it may be. And now he's doing stuff like this, a really inspiring, truly fantastic story. And I'm glad and honored that the Zags are a big part of it. All right, that is going to do it for me to get today. Don't forget to check out the new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where myself and Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels break down the biggest stories in college hoop. Recent epi- episode is an interview with University of Pilots, University of Portland Pilots head coach Shante Leggin. So check that out if you haven't done so already. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. You can find it on YouTube as well. Go hit that big red subscribe button. Finally, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.